Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. We're at the Berg household tonight and we're going to be talking about uh, being uh, the wife of a pastor, not an easy job. And we have with us my wife, Amanda, and also Abigail Strong, who is uh, a pastor's wife. What? Abby. You don't like Abigail? It's just Abby? Really? Abigail, no. No. Abby Strong. (laughs) Her husband, Aaron, is pastor at uh, Grace Lutheran Church in Milwaukee, and they have a a second site, really working like third and fourth sites kind of thing um, in the downtown area of Milwaukee. But before we get there, we're going to have a free-for-all with their children and my children. Um, Abigail, our oldest, the oldest Berg, why don't you say hi? Hi. Are, Are you Abigail or just Abby? I'm Abigail. Okay, I thought that was the case. Noel? Noel. Noel, and how old are you, Noel? 13. 13, very nice. Sophia? I'm 10. Nice. All right, and then we have the two strong kids. Um, The oldest is Hannah. Why don't you say hi and tell us how old you are and what school you go to. Uh, Hi, I'm 11, and I go to St. John's Wauwatosa. And your favorite sport to play at St. John's Wauwatosa? I like to play basketball. And your favorite subject at St. John's Wauwatosa? Social studies. And where are you going to go to high school? Have you thought that far ahead? Wisco. And where yeah. are you going to go to college? I don't know. <laughs> like, but if you had to choose right now, where would you go? Um, Martin Luther College. What would be your second choice of where you would go? I don't know. <laughs> like, well, where, where though, if you had to choose, like, what would be your second choice? <laughs> I don't know. He wants you to say WLC. <laughs> <laughs> Elijah, tell us how old you are, and do you go to the same school? Yes. Okay, so St. John's in Wauwatosa, and uh, how old are you? I am eight. And what grade does that make you in? Third grade. And you're going to make it to fourth grade? You're hopefully. Gonna, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> is it like touch and go right now? Mm. I mean, like, you, are you like 50-50 you're going to go to the fourth grade or are you pretty sure? 100%. Oh, excellent. Okay, so you're getting good grades right now. What's your favorite What's your favorite class? Spelling. Spelling, really? Are you really good at spelling? Mm, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still your favorite? I've never had a kid say spelling is their most favorite. That's, for, that's pretty good because words matter, right? And your favorite sport to play? Basketball. Excellent. Okay, before we get any um, further, we're going to have our disclaimer from Abigail. This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud. A lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go, live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. back for our free-for-all and our free-for-all is going to be about summer it's springtime right now we'll talk about 
maybe favorite Easter traditions too. Noel wants to talk about that because Easter is coming up in a few weeks. But the weather is starting to get a little bit warmer here and we're starting to think about summer activities. And so we wanted to go around and ask the question, what is your favorite thing to do in summer? Who wants to go first? Sophie, why don't you go first? Tell us what your favorite thing in summer is. Well, um, I like when we make <coughs> grill packets where we put the sausage and carrots and potatoes. In, in aluminum foil and put them on the grill? Yeah. Yes. Yep. D if I would ask you what your favorite thing in fall, winter, spring, would it all, would your answer always be food? Yes. Okay. All right. Noel, what is your favorite thing in summer? I don't know. Okay. Sophia, or no, Abigail, what is your uh, favorite thing in summer? Um, my favorite thing in summer is my birthday. And speaking of birthdays, it's um, Michael Berg's birthday. So we should sing happy birthday to him. Or say happy birthday. Happy Just birthday. say happy birthday. Thank you very <laughs> happy much. Happy birthday. birthday. It's also Lutheran Artist Day when we remember Lucas Kronick and, and Albert Dürer. Cool. That's more important. All right. What is your favorite thing in summer besides your birthday? Um, I like to travel places. All right. Where did you go last summer? That was fun. Um, we went to Utah. And then we went to Wyoming. Yellowstone. Yellowstone. And then we went to Minnesota, and then we went back to Wisconsin. You skipped Colorado. We went and to Colorado, Kansas. and we went I to mean, Kansas. Not Kansas. Yeah, Kansas. We did oh. go to Kansas. We went to Kansas, great. and we went to Kansas Missouri. Right? Yep, we did. Is it Missouri? We were in Iowa too. We okay. went to Iowa too. Strong kids. Give me two or three things. What you're what what you're looking forward to this summer, or favorite summer memory or activity. Go ahead, um, I like to go to our trailer in the Dells and get to hang out with my cousins. Like, is it a fancy trailer or is it like a trailer trailer? Uh, <laughs> it's not super fancy. <laughs> like, I mean, would you, like, if you could live there, would you live there in the trailer? Like, would there be enough room? I don't know. <laughs> At any point in your life, did you guys live in this trailer as no. your permanent home? No. Okay. So it's a vacation place? Yeah. Okay. Excellent. And this is permanently up there in the Dells? Yeah. Okay. And for those not in Wisconsin, the Dells is kind of a touristy summer kind of place to be, right? And so um, tell me more about this trailer. Like, is, like there's bedrooms in it? Yeah. It's and, in a trailer park in the Dells and... Got a patio. <laughs> it has a patio. Okay. If you if if you had to, could you hook the trailer up to a truck and move it? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you spend most of your time in the trailer, or do you like go into the dells and go to like the water parks and stuff like that? Mm. We spend a lot of our time in like the trailer park and in our trailer. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Hey, Elijah, do you like a trailer park? Yeah. What else do you like in summer? Um, I like going to my grandma and grandpa's house and um, and me I'm um, playing with my cousins. Yeah. Like, what do you guys play? Um. So we have this like tree house in our in our grandma's backyard that we sometimes go and play uh -huh. there. 
Do you like play like baseball and stuff like that too? Or um, yeah. Basketball maybe. Yeah. Okay. Who else has got something for summer that they they want to know? Well, when we would lived in when we lived in Wood Lake, I always like going to the Monday night. Um, VBS things. Yeah, we kind of had a Bible Music Academy that was, and we'd always end it with what? What did we get at the end? Food. Yeah, and then the little what are those little icy things called? Ice pops. Ice icy pops. pops. Icy pops. There. Cool. So what about what about at home? Like you talked about Grandma's house and you talked about the Dells. What is like regular day summer for the Strongs look like? Tell me. Something. Watching TV. Watching TV. Yeah, sleeping in. Yeah. What what do you got, Hannah? What else? What about Milwaukee? Do you like to do um, in summer? I we have a a, a Tosa Rec softball team. I get to oh, play okay. on. All right, that's pretty good. Are you in little league yet, Elijah? Um yeah. Yeah, what position did you play last year? Um, we kind of went all around. Mhm. Just trying it out until since you're still kind of young, figure it out. Okay. Anybody else got summer stuff? I'm going to summarize travel, trailer parks, tree houses, and sports. Sophie, what do you have? Um, in Wood Lake, we would have the Whopper stand, or Whopper, or not Whopper, but Burger, burger Whopper stand. feed. Burger and they stand. were <laughs> really good. We had a fair. We had a whole fair. The town would take over the fair, and the fair would be in our front yard. There was really good food there, too, yep. like lemonade yep. and... It made the little town seem so big. Right, it really did. It really did. And there was good food, right, Sophie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Sophie likes food. Um, Elijah likes tree houses. Hannah likes trailer parks. Abigail likes... My birthday. Your birthday. Traveling. And you liked uh, going to learn about Jesus. Very good, Noel. That was very nice. Okay, now, real quick, one by one, what's your favorite thing about Easter? It doesn't have to be about going to church. It can be about something at home, too. We won't... You you don't have to suck up to Jesus like Noel did, okay? <laughs> you can just be honest, all right? So, what like one thing about um, Easter? So Sophie, one thing about Easter, Sophie can't be chocolate. It's got to be something else though. It is when like after our church service, we would have a whole breakfast okay. and food <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Elijah, one thing about Easter that you're looking forward to. Um, probably finding our Easter baskets. Yeah? Do you do that before church? Um, yeah. Yeah? Or yeah, after I church? Think so. yeah. I don't remember. Like, what do you get? Lots of candy? Yeah. That kind of stuff? Yeah. Hannah, what do you like about Easter? What are you looking forward to? Um, well, this year, um, at Grace and the Ward, they're doing, like, an Easter, like, egg hunt, I think. In, in like, downtown? The park. Yeah. Like, under cars and no there's a park next to oh, okay. the theater we're in because that that sounded weird right you know like <laughs> like there's a you know a bum over there and he's you know sitting on an egg or something <laughs> <laughs> did you have one last year at grace in the ward downtown no. like a urban urban this is an urban egg hunt no <laughs> so you're looking forward to it though what about yeah. the past was your f- kind of favorite thing about? Uh, um, probably Easter egg baskets. Yeah, like your brother? Yeah. Abigail? Um, my favorite thing was when we would go to like a hotel with the Peels and the Bordelins and 
um, all the other people. We would take after Easter service. We'd go see, go see friends. Yeah. Yeah, and also I like getting new dresses. Sure, Noel. Yeah, that's always fun. And I was gonna say what Abigail said. We would always go to the hotel and um, <laughs> the hotel with pastor families. Yeah. What else? Anything else? Um, nothing to look forward to. Well, are you guys? You're going to play in Easter. Are you going to play your trumpet yet? This is your first oh, time. Yeah. This is the first I time get, playing trumpet, playing on, Easter? trumpet on Easter. Yeah, that'll be very good. I I like the trumpets. That's one of my favorite things about about Easter. Also, Jesus rising from the dead. Yeah. Is my favorite thing too. So, any last thing about Easter or summer? Any other food items you want to mention, Sophie? Oh, I really like like the chocolate crosses we used to get every year at our old church. Mm-hmm. We'd get chocolate crosses. Oh, they were hollow, too. Those we were would best. either chocolate or, like, cookies and cream. They are very good, but, yeah, when they're hollow, that's a little disappointment. You're like, mm, wow, that's a lot of no. chocolate. And then you're it's like, okay. The hollow is the best. They taste way better. It's, okay. it's pretty good. <laughs> I don't think they were hollow. They weren't Some hollow. Some of them were. Maybe. Like the bunnies? Yeah, the bunnies and were the hollow. the wise men. That we got, you got wise, wise men. men on Easter? No, that one year we got wise men. It was hollow. <laughs> All right, real quick, and then we're done. Favorite Easter candy, okay? Sophie, favorite Easter candy? Uh, either the like chocolate eggs or the um, the um, chocolate crosses. Okay, favorite Easter candy? Starburst and M and M's. What's your favorite Easter candy? Mm, the chocolate bunnies. All right. Favorite Easter candy, Abigail? Um, the Reese's peanut butter egg thing. Those are that good. That are right in front of me. Those are good. What do you like? I don't have a favorite Easter Mine candy. are the mini Cadbury eggs. What are those? I like those except they're hard candy but the chocolate in the middle. Oh. All right. Okay. Well, thanks, guys, for uh, participating. Um, why don't you say bye all at once? here now with a new crew. Um, I'm still here, but my wife Amanda is here. Say hi. Hello. And we have Abby. Correct. Strong. Hello. <laughs> and then her husband, Aaron. Hi. All right. So we're here to talk about being um, the wives of pastors and not in a cliche way, but kind of um, more in a real way, kind of a little bit of reality without being negative because <laughs> uh, we could easily go that way about any vocation about any occupation but I, I think there's some pretty unique and wonderful things about being a, a pastor's wife and so Amanda I'm going to start with you um, you can tell the story about how um, when when we were dating um, and I was studying to be a pastor that you had made a promise when you were a child that you would never marry a pastor so why don't we start with that I was actually just thinking that exact thing um I don't know why other than just because I knew I was going to MLC and I knew I was going to study to be a teacher. So Martin Luther College. Sorry. Um, 
So in New Ulm, that uh, the our little group um, in the in the church uh, militant, the Wisconsin Lutheran Synod, um, has one college where it trains its pastors, future pastors, before they go to seminary, and then also uh, the vast majority of its um, teachers in the, it, the parochial school. So go ahead. Yes. So knowing that I was going to attend college with future pastors, I don't know why I just kind of said, I'm just, I'm not going to marry a pastor. I'm never going to marry a pastor. Not that I had anything against pastors. And I had all really wonderful, excellent pastors throughout my childhood and happened to have attended many Wells churches as I was growing up because uh, my dad is a Wells teacher, took many calls and we moved quite a bit. But um, the Lord had other things in mind for me and I met Michael and we dated for a while and decided to get married. But do you maybe think that you saw what um, the life of a pastor's wife and you said, I don't want that for myself? Was that what you're kind of thinking? Or I'm not really sure. Um, I don't think it was that. Although I, I do recall, you know, a few people that I knew that were you know, adults in my life as I was growing up that maybe didn't have the best take on being a pastor's wife or sometimes would share only the negative sides of it. I think it was more of a joke to me, not being a pastor, but um, just a joke that I didn't want to marry one. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Abby, tell me, I mean, your father is a pastor, correct? So you kind of knew. So like, what were your feelings growing up and then going to college? You're like, yeah, this is just what we do. Or is it like... I kind of want out. Can, maybe I could find a nice lawyer. Well, <laughs> I knew there were two options. It was pastor track or teacher track for the options at Martin Luther College. And my grandfather was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. I have uncles that are pastors. And I said the same thing. First question out of my mouth is going to be, are you pastor track or teacher track? And if you say pastor track, I'm going to say, nice to meet you and walk the other way. <laughs> I did not want to marry a pastor. Um, but you make plans and God just laughs at those plans. And uh, started dating this guy uh, to my left six weeks into our first year at MLC. And we've been married almost 14 years now. So my next question for you two will be um, just uh, maybe particular to each of our situations where you both had to go get a job as a as a teacher while we were still in school. But I'm going to come back to that a little bit so you can each tell tell us that story. and And then we'll get into actually being... Um, my pastor's wife. But Aaron, why don't you just tell us about uh, where you were uh, in Las Vegas and your ministry there, but then also um, what you're doing now in Milwaukee, just so we don't totally ignore you. No, that's uh, <laughs> thanks for in- including me. That's awesome. Uh, I was assigned out of the, the seminary to, to go to Las Vegas and to start really a, a brand new mission congregation on the north side. And uh, we... Got north side the, of the strip. North side of the, uh, yeah, way north okay, of the strip. So either, okay, way north of the strip, not the north side yeah. of the strip. Okay, and I, I should, you know, for us, Las Vegas is not just uh, the strip. Las Vegas <laughs> was a city where there were actually people who lived there and made their lives there and had families and everything else. Uh, we, we lived about twenty miles away from the strip. We could see it way off in the distance. Um, but that really wasn't much of our life, and and quite honestly, for a lot of our members too, not really a part of their lives as much. As, as other people too. But um, yeah, I got assigned out there and, and said, here's the north side of the city of Las Vegas, figure out where to start a church. And um, God blessed a lot of the efforts that we did there that uh, we got to find a place and, and people and, um, and just did a lot of fun ministry there. 
And uh, last summer we went back and celebrated as they built their first permanent church, which is just awesome to see God continuing to bless that ministry in, in Las Vegas. So we did that for about seven years. And um, now I've been in Milwaukee, um, Wisconsin here for about uh, three and a half, almost four years, I guess now. And uh, serve at Grace um, Lutheran Church in downtown Milwaukee, which is a very different setting, a much bigger church. It went from 150 members to 1,200 members in three months. It was just uh, unreal. And um, being the guy who did everything in a church to part of us, a staff, one of three pastors, and, and just a bunch of other staff that do a lot of other things. So just getting used to not doing everything, not knowing everything that's going on. And uh, my focus at, at Grace has been outreach and, and doing campus ministry. And that's really been a lot of fun and really challenging. How do you do outreach and share the gospel in an urban setting? And, and that's been a fun thing to try to grasp and, and work with. And um, working with uh, college students like you get to do, Mike, and, and, and a different setting, though, in, in a lot of these secular universities where they're hearing all sorts of, of things that challenge our faith. And just to be able to support them and encourage them in their life of faith has been a ton of fun, too. So that's what keeps me busy. And doing some stuff. Tell us about uh, a little bit more about Grace and the Ward. Yeah, Grace and the Ward, uh, we're celebrating um, on April 7th, um, the, the one-year anniversary of doing ministry in the third ward, which is the south part of downtown. And um, Grace has a long history and, and has been around for almost 170 years in Milwaukee. And we do wonderful worship, but we also recognize there's a lot of people that don't necessarily connect with this big Gothic-style church and very traditional Lutheran worship and can be intimidated by that. And we still want to share Jesus with these people. And so we've identified a spot on the south side of downtown where there's a lot of people. And uh, we do kind of an informal type of of gathering where it's it's almost this hybrid of Bible study, uh, preaching moments. We sing a couple songs in prayer, and, and it's just a simple way to put Jesus in front of people uh, with the goal of, of connecting them with their Savior. So we've been doing that, and that's been that's been really rewarding. And you have you have uh, egg hunts there. I've heard. Yeah, we're gonna. Been told to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna throw oh, eggs underneath fire, the parked cars. Fire, maybe under fire the bench. Hydrants. Right? Yep. Exactly. Okay. No, it's uh, at the third ward. Uh, even when we were in school was still kind of up and coming and you know how those urban uh, neighborhoods go you know maybe they have times when they're down and but then they come back and are vibrant and so grace is doing some good stuff down there all right um abby and amanda um maybe general question about both of you were working while we were in school and so tell us about tell us about those experiences really quickly and and uh Good, bad, rewarding, good to be on your own, um, anything you want to say. All right, I'll start. Um, So Mike took a year off between MLC and seminary. And I also went to college for five years because I doubled up on elementary ed and early childhood ed. So basically when he was starting SEM was my first year of teaching. So I got assigned right out of the college to... Uh, start a preschool program at the North Campus of Bethlehem Lutheran um, in, I was at the Germantown campus. And Mike and I were uh, going to be getting married in Christmas of that year. So the first semester of my first year of teaching, I was, uh, I guess, still living on my own. You were in the dorms at SEM. So you got to have that dorm experience on your own for a little while at SEM. And Um, I was starting basically almost a brand new preschool program there, similarly to what Abby's going to tell you about her experience too. And um, I guess it was good for me in a way, I I think it was good that we weren't quite married yet, just so that I could really dive into my 
first year of teaching and spent a lot of late nights at school and you were studying and you know maybe doing <laughs> those things uh, into the evening hours um, I we were very blessed uh, Bethlehem was an awesome place for me to be had a huge amount of support from the teachers there and they were willing to um, as a female teacher at that time you didn't always get um, insurance you didn't always get a housing allowance necessarily and they were willing to do that for us which I think was huge that was a big blessing for us um, so I don't know I I recall those days as being good I mean we had our first child still while we were in SEM and so it was a lot of new things there was new teaching experiences there was new family experiences and yet you were continuing to be a student and work and somehow we managed to still see each other and have fun along the way. I tell my students now that, you know, that when we came back our senior year where we didn't have a, you did not have a cushy job anymore. And, um, the amount of money we made per month, that was pretty, pretty low, but we yeah. still had $20 in the, at the end of the week in our pockets to do something. And now we make money, more money than we thought we had ever in these positions that we have. It's still the same stupid $20 in your pocket <laughs> left over. Yeah. And that's my way of saying it'll be all right. Yeah. You know, it'll be all right. So, uh, Abby, a different situation because you didn't get called to just down the street from where your future husband was going to, uh, was going to school. Right. Um, out of MLC, I was assigned to St. Louis, Missouri to go start an early childhood program. Um, they said I had strong organizational and administrative skills and that I could handle that. It was a one-year assignment because we were getting married the fine or the following summer. Um, so I got down there and it ended up being a lot of um, mommy and me classes, a lot of writing parent policy manuals, meeting with lawyers, doing advertising campaigns because they didn't even have a building project when I got down there. So it was a lot of laying the groundwork for a school to come. Um, during our STEM years, I taught at St. Francis Children's Center up in Glendale for two years. And then the year that we were vickering, I was out in Las Vegas, ironically, um, teaching fourth grade for Clark County School District out there. So uh, kind of a gypsy of sorts with mm -hmm. lots, lots of different uh, experiences that God blessed me with. It took us a very long time not to stop um collecting boxes you're like that's a really good box don't throw that away because you knew you're going to move various <laughs> yes. times you know and you finally get settled yeah so um what about your you get your you're going out to vegas um for for us we're going out into the middle of uh nowhere in western minnesota what was that like saying okay we just we get assigned here we are this is new family new marriage this is what it is. So yeah. tell us about that. For Vicar year, we were assigned there as well. And I was super excited. I was running up and down the halls of seminary saying, Vegas, baby, we're going <laughs> to Vegas. And super excited, had never been there, was ready to leave snow shovels and snow boots um, for a one-year adventure. And then the second time we moved back 11 months later, we were now taking a 12-week-old little girl with us. So it was a much different situation um, moving back. But we were going back to a core group of people that we had met a year earlier who was waiting with open arms for us. So it was very comfortable. It was very familiar. Um, a different type of ministry since Aaron was going to be on his own, um, but a lot of structure and a lot of support waiting for us. So it was a little less scary than going out into the great unknown. 
Yeah. Um, I had a thought before, and now I kind of lost it. Well, my my rem- uh, memory of that is you eight months pregnant, getting lost in a cornfield, oh. and no cell reception, and pretty that, yeah. quite quite unhappy with me that, that was I was literally. a pastor at that moment. <laughs> that was literally when we were moving. Um, no, I was just going to actually back up just a little bit to the sem years. Like I, I just think, like you said, Mike, even though maybe we didn't have a lot of money, but you know, and we were all at different, somewhat different stages, but a lot of us were already having children, starting our families and, um, you know, adjusting to the schedules of some of us were working, some, some of the wives weren't working, husbands are in school and working. And it, it can, it could potentially be a stressful time, but I mean, we generally really made the most of it and we, we leaned on each other. So thankfully there were enough of the the friends of ours in you know our classmates that where the wives decided to stay home and so they would be the ones watching all the babies and the kiddos and some of us would be teaching either part-time or full-time and um, our own little economy there you yeah know, we'll it, pay just, you to do this. it was pretty awesome in that regard and you know you'd kind of make a fun day of okay let's go over to the food pantry and get a few items today and um our kids you know, ran around the seminary campus and it's still fun to take them back there and show them this is where, this is where it all begins. And so honestly too, I just, I, I think about this a lot. I look back to those days and I'm so grateful for the amount of support that other congregations give to the SEM families. I mean, our daughter Abigail got gifts from people from across the country that we had never met. And that was just really a cool thing. So those of you that are out there listening in other congregations that do support the SEM students and SEM families or have in the past, uh, thank you so, so much because it really did and does mean a lot to to us. I mean, you're you're talking about uh, a time in your life where you're, you're trying to become an adult, you're starting your family, but yet at the same time, you're still in that school mode and so that can be tricky um, and kind of balancing all of that. So, and I was fortunate enough to be able to have calls and teach um, either full-time or part-time. So that was a, uh, that was a great thing for us. And especially coming off of Vicar year, we Vickered in, in Houston, Texas and us too. We, I flew with my two week old baby, um, first baby. And that was a pretty crazy, scary experience. Um, kind of still figuring out the whole mom thing. And Mike was already down there ahead of me. And so, um, you do take a big leap going into the unknown, going to a place where you've you know, never been. Um, but man, the people are always there to welcome you. Like you said, Abby, just welcome you with open arms. So move ahead a couple of years and it's call day and we get assigned to Wood Lake, Minnesota. And I know my initial reaction was that must be a suburb of the Twin Cities. And, um, as the day progressed and we talked with, uh, you know, district presidents and found a map looked at a map and looked at the packet, realized, oh, it's just a little bit further uh, west and south of the Twin Cities. It's pretty much South Dakota. But no, um, initially I was a little bit um, not super excited about going to a rural. We were both city kids. We were city kids. And, you know, the mix up was, oh, they, you know, you're both rural. You both grew up in rural towns. And we're like, no, but you requested rural. And we're like, no, but Again, the Lord had a different plan in mind, and uh, it turned out to be the best 12 years of our of our life. Um, we had a great, great experience in Wood Lake. Um, but yes, the move there was interesting. So Abigail was almost two years old. I was quite pregnant with Noel, 
and I'm driving our little junky green Ford Contour. Once again, Mike had gone ahead with the moving truck. I was, uh, I think he had already unpacked all the boxes and purchased a washer and dryer before I even got there. Um, but no GPS yet, no cell phones. And I'm driving in late June, early July, so the corn's pretty high at this point. And there was detours and construction. So needless to say, I'm lost and there's corn everywhere and I don't know where I'm going. And I had made it the full seven hour drive in pretty good spirits and in pretty good shape. But at that point, somewhere near Bellevue, Minnesota, I pretty much burst into tears. But um, made it into Woodlake and uh, began our life there. And um, the Lord blessed it beyond measure. And it was honestly grew to, grew to love small town, grew to love rural America. And what made it so great, of course, were the people there. So shout About out. a year and a half later, you said to me, if you ever take a call out of here, I'll kill you. Yeah. So, <laughs> it, it was definitely uh, hard to imagine ever leaving there. And I grew up moving a lot. My dad took calls, as Mike just mentioned, you know, throughout your seminary years, you're moving. And it's after the longest we were there, either of us ever lived yeah, anywhere. It was, it was hard to imagine leaving and it was hard to leave and still hard to be gone some days. So let me just, I'll maybe take the conversation in a different direction and then we'll uh, go to Aaron and then, and then back to you guys. Um, especially in that rural situation, I always appreciate and growing up in Parsonages too, since I was a pastor's kid, but especially so when I was a pastor, it was kind of like a family business. I mean, you worked at the, you, we started a preschool there. Um, we lived by the, by the church, you know, just a couple houses down, you know, and so the, the line between home and work was very blurry and it was actually a very, I think a good thing. You just did what needed to be done. And, you know, if you needed to go home, you went home, you kind of set your own schedule. And, and so the kids would come to quote unquote work with us and help out, or they would go run around and, and imagine being an, an immigrant family that's running a small business in a, in a neighborhood and, uh, in a big city or a farm family where you weren't really concerned about mom and dad go to work and then they come back. Right. It was just this kind of a feel that you were just always doing it. And I always, Very fluid. I always appreciated in that, like that. And I knew that I would miss it and, and do miss it now. So, um, but that has its pitfalls too, right? You're always on the clock. You're always, you're always on, right? Because you don't know who you're going to see. You have to be on your toes. You have to be quote unquote professional or whatever. It's hard to let down your hair kind of thing. So Aaron, what did you think about living, being a parsonage and, and here's my family bringing them into your job, right? I mean, that's one of the things about being, um, part of a pastor's family is you're a part of the job, whether you like it or not. And so the worries maybe you had or, or the, the benefits that you saw, um, both in Vegas and now in a bigger church in Milwaukee. Yeah. When you, uh, when you start a mission church, um, we literally started out of the living room of our house. <laughs> I mean, that's where we first got our group together every, every Thursday night. So Thursday afternoon was clean the house so we could have people over to our living room and, and the kitchen's got to be clean so we could have, you know, our dozen, 10 to 12 people, whoever was coming over to come and spend some time, have some Bible study and, and think about our ministry. Um, so, I mean, it was literally a part of our, our life. It was taking place in our home and, and that's the office was there. Everything happened out of there until we were able to find our, our, our ministry site later on. 
so it, and especially as a so not only did it start in your home and then take place in your home but it's you as a pastor and maybe a, a few others who are kind of interested in saying hey this is cool we want to be a part of this church that's in our neighborhood but we really don't know what we're doing and how to help and so it falls on on you as a pastor it falls on on a wife um who's who's there to, to help and not just in a, in a supportive way maybe like in an established congregation but in a way that hey um i need you to do stuff <laughs> i need i nobody else here knows how to do a sunday school um can you can you set it up can you teach um you know we need we need some refreshments for a, a sunday can you make something or whatever it is i mean we uh our family especially in in las vegas was it was ministry probably more than it should have been 24 7 in some ways where it's just we live there the kids ran around in the the ministry center and in our worship space often because they were hanging out with dad while mom was doing something else or um you know who's cleaning this week well i guess we are you know that kind of stuff and and it was just yeah very much part of what we are and i just but um as abby kind of shared some of her experiences growing up and and just um her ministry experiences, I think God was just setting her up to, to see the gifts that she has for serving the Lord and his people um, and, and be a really a, the perfect partner for me and in, in the ministry that God has set before us too, to go out and do a mission church and have have her as a, as a wife that loved her Savior enough to be willing to be part of the ministry even though she wasn't getting paid. <laughs> so, uh, Abby, what do you think about just this idea of you know, this is a, this is, it's not your traditional, here's your job, here's your home. And really, honestly, that's kind of like the history of the world before the industrial, you know, uh, revolution. Um, the word economy is related to home. I mean, it just, it, and, and good thing, bad pitfalls, things that you enjoyed looking back kind of thing. Yeah, it was a really unique experience being out in Las Vegas and that there was no rule book we were kind of setting the tone and the history for a brand new church. There were no traditions or rules or customs that we had to follow. And it was really about getting in touch with the members and the relationships and building with them and um, being able to meet their needs. And um, we were able to really make some wonderful relationships with the people that we were working with and serving with. Um, they became the surrogate grandmas and grandpas, the surrogate aunties and uncles. They were the ones that we had family gatherings with and holidays and birthday parties. What um, was your word for that? Framilies. Framilies. <laughs> yep. And uh, now one family is in uh, Florida. Another family member is in Japan and another family member is um, on their way up to Washington State. So um, the Lord brought us together for a season and... Thanks to Facebook, we can still stay in touch, <laughs> um, though the miles separate us. And it was a really wonderful experience for my kids, too, to be able to be part of a small congregation where the kids knew them, the members knew them, the my own children knew them as Grandma Betty and Grandpa John, and, you know, they were the ones that... Um, they could sit with in church while I was singing and Aaron was preaching. And that's not something that you can kind of replicate in a bigger congregation. Yeah. Now grace is, you know, 1300 members. Um, and I have to share my husband with a lot more people <laughs> on a, a lot broader base. Um, but there are blessings with being in a bigger congregation as well as a 
smaller congregation. Yeah, I would um, agree with that. With the small, I mean, we were only in one congregation as, as far as Mike being in the pastoral role and me being the pastor's wife. Um, so I only have the one experience. But that was one of the things that made being in that congregation so great was um, we, we all were one big family. Um, a lot of the people there definitely were related to one another. But we, our children, in very much the same way. They had many grandmas and grandpas there and um, friends that were like family to us. We, we relied on each other for, for many things and, you know, took turns driving kids to different activities and things like that. And so being away from your fam your own blood family as a pastor's family can be a challenge. Um, and so that, I guess that would be one of the things that I would say is and can be a challenge as far as a pastor's family goes. Um, you aren't necessarily able to leave or be gone when everybody else has off. You kind of have to stick around on those major holidays and you have to um, be there on weekends. <laughs> right. And that's typically when everybody else has the time away. And so you really are, um, you are a part of that church, um, you know, nonstop. And so then what, is a huge blessing of that is that church family becomes your family and supports you and loves you, um, at least for our experience as well. I mean, we were very, very blessed to be in a place where we felt um, very comfortable. We could be ourselves. We had uh, an amazing congregation and really supportive people and people that we had um, became really good friends with. And um, they watched our girls grow up too, which I think is a huge part of it. They saw them from very little on. Had we moved to Wood Lake with the, the handful of teenagers we got now, I don't know if it'd be the same story. Well, well we would often say, like, we, we maybe should take a call because the kids are not going to be very cute anymore <laughs> for much longer, and they're not going to like us as much. Yeah, but, you <laughs> know, they, they grew, yeah, they, though our girls were their girls, you know, they, they grew up. And whether you you choose it or not, or you can't really help it, but you are a little bit in the spotlight. Um, and that's not always a bad thing. I think, you know, it's, it's a very, um, kind of comfortable, warm feeling to know that you're so loved. You're so loved that because you're the pastor's family. And, um, and I guess, you know, from the standpoint of being the wife of a pastor, which I know is sort of the direction this, this, uh, conversation was going to be going tonight. I mean, I, I just have so many great memories of it and so many things about it that made it feel um, just very natural. I didn't feel like, oh, I have to work at this or I have to do this. You know, there weren't these looming expectations. I think I just enjoyed jumping in and doing what I could when I could. Loved to bake things, <laughs> Pastor Strong. So, yeah, can we get refreshments? Yeah, that was definitely on my list of things to do occasionally. But um and I was going to just piggyback off of that. One of the things that Aaron told me when we moved to Vegas was that they're calling me to be the shepherd of this church. They're not calling you to be Mrs. Pastor. You are a support and you serve with joy in whatever capacity you want to serve at. And if you ever start to feel that this is too much or that this is draining you or that the joy is being you know, sucked out of that, service, then you need to back away. And, and I did get to that point in Las Vegas where I said, I can't do the baking and the Sunday school and the toddler time and the choir and be a mom. And I was substitute teaching with Clark County. I said, I can't do it. I can't do all the calendars. And I said, I need to back off. And um, 
my ladies group stepped up and they said, we can do this, this, you've got this all in place. We can take this off of your shoulders and, you know, lighten the load. And that was a really big turning point for me mm-hmm. and not having to do it all. I was going to say, did you ever feel that like, yeah, sometimes you felt like you had to, you know, you, if you weren't filling all these different little roles that you'd be in some way, shape or form, you know, not living up to the expectations, but um, like you said, other people step in and, and find ways. And I, you know, there isn't necessarily a rule book for this, but I think there, you know, there's some unwritten understandings that you're going to probably participate in a lot of things or do, you know, certain things, but you know, not everybody's a singer. So not everybody's going to be in the choir or not everybody's going to be in ladies aid because many, you know, many women are, you know, not necessarily staying home anymore, doing those type of typical things. But I think way back when it was kind of like, you almost were expected to stay home with your kids and, and be the housewife kind of situation. And, and those things have changed too. So, um, I don't know. I, I think it's good to have a healthy balance and to know and understand your, your, your limitations as well as your gifts. Where do they lie? And you don't need to jump into everything because other people might be able to do it better than you. Well, and the flip side of that too is, um, you're expected to do maybe more than the average person in the church. But then also there's that eye. She thinks she's in charge and she has to do everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, it's almost like you can't win. Um, and so <clears throat> it heck, maybe comes down to just you do what you can and you kind of just don't worry about it and do it guilt-free. And mm-hmm. and so talk about that spotlight thing, though. I mean, was that ever a concern for you? I, I don't think, I don't think so. Not for me, really. Um I mean, we literally had a sign in our front yard of our house. I mean, we did have a parsonage, and the sign said, like, St. John's Lutheran Parsonage. So everybody knew where we were, and it's a super tiny town. Um, I, it didn't feel like everybody was, you know, watching. or, But, you know, in a small town, that's just the way it is for everybody. I mean, people knew. Um, I mean, you had to stop going to the bar every night. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't even think we stepped foot in the bar for a couple of years and it was in our backyard it was across the alley but it was kind of like do we go there don't we um but no um yeah I think it was more just the small town thing because you know you'd have company and be like oh you've got you know they see the license plates and know that they weren't from there or I remember when we brought one of the girls home from the hospital um you know less than 24 hours everybody knew it was a girl I mean we didn't even have the balloons in the yard yet and that was that was there but I no, I didn't feel like I didn't feel like we were constantly being watched or anything like that. And I mean, we didn't really have anything to hide either. So it was kind of our life was sort of an open book and that was fine. I think the one thing that can be different and Abby, you're going to be able to attest to this more because of the two different congregations. But I think in a smaller church, it's it's a little bit it's harder to not do because you're going to be noticed in a smaller congregation. You're you are you're going to be probably in more things because there aren't as many people to be in those things. But maybe in a larger congregation, you might not have as many responsibilities, whether they're chosen by you or not chosen by you, because it's easier to maybe, I don't want to say this negatively, but to fly under the radar a little bit. I think I was maybe more sensitive than I needed to be. And maybe I'm becoming less sensitive about being sensitive about it. Um, 
But when you're in a small congregation and people are trying to make introductions, and they're trying to play the connection game, they'd say, oh, this is pastor's wife or this is pastor Aaron's wife. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm Abby. I'm a real person. You know, <laughs> I, like I don't want that label to be on my forehead. This is Aaron Strong. <laughs> yes. The most holy reverent. No, like I'm just Abby. I am, you know, child of God, wife, mother, pastor's wife is way down here on the list of titles that I want to be recognized as. Um, and it's still, you know, part of who I am, but like you said, in a bigger congregation, I can fly under the radar. I mean, we've been there almost four years and I have people that are just coming up to me and introducing themselves to me for the first time because, Mm -hmm. well, I teach at one school, my kids go to a different school. My husband is a pastor at another church. So we're a three church family right now. So on any given Sunday, I could be anywhere in the city of Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, so that also limits my time in building relationships with one single church body. Um, what, what about it? And probably Las Vegas is, is not the situation in, to talk about this because it was maybe a, a new, it was a new ministry and Milwaukee is a little bit bigger, but small town Wood Lake where everybody knows everybody and everybody's got an opinion. And everybody's got an opinion about the pastor. <laughs> Do you feel like sometimes you're like, all right, enough's enough. He's, he's an idiot. All right. You know, like <laughs> you think he's great, but you have no idea. Um, I did or, f- or the opposite where you're like, you know what? I kind of feel like I need to defend this guy because honest, honestly, there's sometimes you just got to take it as a pastor. You just have to, you know what? I had to say that because I had to say that and it's not going to make me a whole lot of friends, but it'll, I had to do it and it's going to pay off in the end. And there's rumblings and grumblings and that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't feel like people really voiced those things to me much. Um, I think maybe just, they knew, maybe knew where that line was. Um, Mm -hmm. I definitely did find myself occasionally, like if I was talking with some good friends, you know, it felt weird to complain about you, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, cause you know, we're all doing the, you know, oh my, you know, not that we're complaining about our husbands, but you know, like if something was irritating or, you know, but it's like, but he's their pastor. But at the same time, I feel as though the, the people that we became that close with, also knew where that line was. I mean, they were your friends too, but they also respected your role as a pastor. And um, so, I don't know. I think, you know, there is there is some of that general, though, un- like feeling from people that, you know, the pastor's wife, the pastor, the family, like you are a little bit on this pedestal. And it's like, we're, we're just normal people. We, we do, you know, but at the same time, you do have to live you know, in a way that's, you know, above reproach and God pleasing and all of that. So it can be, you know, a little sketchy sometimes. I, I did always feel like, oh man, if our, if our girls were like the ones being the most naughty in church and stuff, it was just always a little bit kind of like, you know, walking out with them or whatever. But at the same time, we, you know, they're kids like everybody else's kids and we have to deal with it just the same way. Aaron Abbey, I mean, the reputation of the pastor's family or the pastor, did that ever cross your mind or any thoughts on that? Yeah, I feel like I needed to make sure that my kids were in line more than maybe I needed to. Maybe I was more, had a more heightened sensitivity to that. I mean, 
in a little mission church, it was a little more casual. I mean, people were in, you know, jeans and their football jerseys. But, you know, the fact that Elijah was crawling up to the altar and playing peekaboo under the pyramids when he was, you know, 15 months old just made me want to crawl out of my skin. And, you know, he's the pastor's son. He can't be acting like this. You know, he's acting so naughty. But he's a normal little one-year-old boy. Um, But I, I generally feel like the members have a very good opinion of my husband and that they um, hold him in a good light and that they enjoy working with him and being ministered by him. And I don't have, you know, members come up to me and, you know, are telling me that they're upset with him. Um, If nothing else, he's the one who's coming home and saying, oh, I got booked for this, or I'm going to do this, or I got booked for this, or they asked me to do this for them. So the fact that so many people, you know, want to have a relationship, um, with him in that kind of ministerial role, I think is a compliment to him. Yeah. And I think one, one thing that I, I don't know that you would probably admit or maybe even, even realize, but just the, and I'm, I'm guessing Amanda the same in, in your life in ministry too, is just the examples that you set for other women of faith in, in your congregation too, of what a, what a, what a faith filled Christ loving wife and mother does. Um, in their lives and uh that that's always been a cool thing and I, I saw that especially in las vegas where you have these these members who really are coming in they either have strayed and in that in that congregation there they'd either strayed and not really been connected to church or church wasn't big and so they're coming in and they're they're kind of in this new either newfound or just brand new relationship with with their savior and they're still trying to figure out what that actually means for their lives and and here you have a pastor and his family a pastor and his wife who are kind of the example so you're not just in a spotlight as as to or we're watching everything you do, but we're watching because we we need to figure this out too. Yeah. And um and, and I think that's always been a cool thing and, and some of the fun that that we've had in in ministry. At least I think it's been fun, right? Building oh, those yes. relationships and, and to be normal too. You're not like oh this is there's right. no way that you can ever achieve this, but just be normal and like you know what life's gonna be all right. Yeah. Kind of to, to you know to run into them uh, uh, with a family and the kids aren't always perfect little angels and they they see that and they see how we handle it and there's sometimes a little stress or just uh, we're having fun and you know we're we're not gonna and I know I say yes to a lot of stuff but <laughs> the answer is always no <laughs> but uh, we we you know when the no does come no because we're doing something as a family yeah and that's that's a a good example for others too so um. We got about like uh, maybe seven, eight minutes left. Um, we actually have quite a few seminary students from um, our denominations, but others um, listening. So maybe uh, a couple minutes from each of you um, going out into this scary world where, um, you know, probably a new family, don't know where you're going to go, how is this going to work out, um, some, something, a story or a couple words to tell them that it's going to be all right. I'm going to start. I'll start. I'll give you something very practical. Um, Yeah, it's going to be busy. Yes, it's going to be crazy. And and all the stories about you don't have weekends off and and you don't have holidays off and stuff like that. Um, Stop whining. It'll be fine because it's also a job where on Friday afternoon, if you got to take the kid to the dentist, you're not punching a clock. And so it's just, it's much more different than it is difficult. Yeah, it's difficult, but so is working in a factory nine to five every day, every day of your life and only having 
two weeks off and, you know, Christmas and July 4th off. And so there's quite a few benefits. It's just you got to be on top of your ball when it comes to uh, scheduling and stuff like that. So that's my cold-hearted, it's going to be okay. Don't whine, it'll be fine. But something a little bit more pastoral wifey. Yeah. Get involved is what I would say. I, I mean, Abby and I, we work together. We both teach together at St. Phillips Lutheran. Uh, shout out to SP. Um, we are both pretty outgoing. And so I would say, and, and I don't mean this to sound braggy, but I would say that this being in this role of the wife of a pastor and being involved in a church was probably not difficult for us. We both, we grew up in ministry homes. We kind of knew the gig, but at the same time, both of us are outgoing and, and we're willing to get out there and try different things. Not that you have to do everything. So, but I would say and encourage future pastors, wives to, um, to, to get involved at least initially. Um, and, and even if it's only one thing, even if you're not yeah, an outgoing person, just find maybe one little niche. That'll be, that'll be just fine. What, what, and use this, the talents and abilities that God has given you. You may not be a teacher. You may be a nurse. You may be an accountant. You may be doing a completely different role. And so it's going to be, you know, finding ways to use those gifts and abilities to, um, help and benefit your congregation. And, um, I, I guess to me, it's, you're just going to be blessed beyond measure, be more than you ever imagine. Um, the people that, loved us were so amazing. I mean, I just remember some of the first days that we were in Woodlake, you know, we're, we're still unpacking, um, still lining up doctors, you know, all of those new things you have to do when you move somewhere new. And every other day, someone would call me up. I wouldn't even know their name yet. And it was like, yeah, do you need some green beans? Or yeah, do you need some, do you need some tomatoes? And our first Christmas Eve, there was literally just a box of meat on our back porch and those are the things. Well, there were some chickens. Yep, this is rural stuff. Yeah, get rural, that so farm country. You may <laughs> not have this if you're in <laughs> Vegas, but those ver- whatever the versions of those things are for you, there those blessings are going to be the things that are lasting memories for you. Um, I know my dad told me this even before we left for Woodlake. He said your first call is always going to be one remembered with such fondness because it is a new experience, and you're going to. You're going through it together. You're going through it as a family, and there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs, but those memories are going to be pretty amazing, and the the love and support of the people that you get to work with. And, I mean, man, we went through a lot with a lot of people, weddings, funerals, babies, baptisms, and like we talked about, those people are also your, your – they're your family. And um, I just – I think that's a really great thing. And before I kick it back to over to Abby, um, I will say this, that it was actually a bigger adjustment for me to go um, out of the role of pastor's wife. So now that Mike is a theology professor at Wisconsin Lutheran College and I'm teaching at a different school, um, you know, A, we're at different locations working now after 12 years of working side by side and being, you know, kind of a two-person team there. Um, but also to just very abruptly step out of that role. I'm not the pastor's wife. This is weird. Who do I bake brownies for now? My teachers, but. <laughs> so that was strange. And I'm still adjusting to that. And so I guess that what that says to maybe me and to everybody, that it's more of a blessing than you realize. And I miss it. Well, I want to go to Aaron, and then we'll give Abby the last word there. What would you say to young families going out? I'll, I'll give you a word of advice that I have not perfected probably myself, but uh, this idea that 
um, just remember what God has called you to. And it's, yeah, he's called you into um, a ministry and a congregation, but first and foremost to be a husband and a, and a father and to work on those priorities and uh, to make those a priority in your life. And you're going to be busy with ministry and you could busy yourself 24-7 with ministry and never stop. But um, to to make that time for the people that God's put in your life, especially your wife and your kids, is going to be to be huge. And and even if you think, well, I, I can't spare the hour or the half day or wherever it is, the vacation, you can. And you'll be blessed from it and through it too. So like I said, still working on it. <laughs> but uh but definitely that encouragement to make the time for the those those people that God's really put in your life. Yeah, I think you know, we've been out uh, almost 11 years and to just be able to look back at the experiences and the people um the good times, the the tough times um just like you said Mike earlier with like the flexibility of your schedules, you know, we've been able to go on vacations, we've been able to pick up in the middle of the week um some of those opportunities that a normal nine to fiver don't have, um, we are able to travel together. We're able to go on vacations with our kids um, that are just blessings with connections all over the country. And God's going to provide. He's going to take care of you. And um, as a pastor's wife, he has allowed me to help in the ministry of different congregations and to support my husband too. And, you know, he can come home worn down and just beat up by looking sin in the face. And, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs, but I have a chance to just build him up too. And that's a pretty um, powerful and humbling role that I get to have. And um, I'm thankful to do life with him and with our kids and just the blessed reunion that's waiting for us in heaven someday, just through this whole crazy ride we call life is uh to God be the glory. Well, thank you both of you for coming. This was uh, perfect, and our timing's perfect too. This is this is so, it's so much easier without Wade. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've I've never done it with. Oh yeah, I was that that yeah, one. I was yeah. with Wade. So uh, we kind of I've been wanting to do this for a while. Just um, um, the unsung heroes of um, the spouse the spouse of a of a pastor. It's it's not an easy job, and yet it's actually there's quite a few blessings there, and so. Um, you know, if you have a pastor's wife in your life, be nice to her. Um, and if you are going to be a pastor's wife, uh, remember that uh, there's no handbook here. You don't have to bake brownies. You don't have to do this or whatever. You don't have to do what the last pastor's wife <laughs> you did. You do not right. have to do right. that. Um, and, and just don't worry about that. And um, instead, get involved in the way that you would just be a good member of the church. And it's much more about not trying to live up to some ideal, but actually being willing to be blessed by all these other people. Like don't, don't push yourself off because they'll bless you no matter, no matter who you are, what matter what role you take. Uh, if it's, um, <clears throat> if it's a lot or if it's a little, if it's someone who runs everything or somebody who is more, uh, likes to be in the background, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And if you are a pastor's wife right now, Hey, we love you. You know, it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. there's always chocolate for that there's, yeah. always, there's always something <laughs> and there yeah and, and, uh, and you know what's great too is i mean we we kind of the kids mentioned in the free-for-all how we used to get together with various pastors family for for lots of different reasons at lots of different times it's really great to just sit down and support one another in that as well and it it doesn't turn into necessarily a big fest of oh we're doing this or we have to do that but sometimes it's just like hey you know 
we understand. You just, you understand. And there's, there's struggles like with any job or like with any, anything in life, but there's also a lot of really positive things. So the relationships are a little bit different. I mean, it's not, uh, you, you kind of have to be nice to everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And there, you, there is a little bit of a, maybe just a little bit of a shield that you have to put up once in a while. At the same time, the relationships are going to be, um, much broader because you're going to be in contact with people that are older than you, that are younger than you, that are completely different than you. You have some contact now that normally you wouldn't. And so your friendship, uh, uh, your friends are going to be broader, right? It's going to make you a fuller person and a better person as well. So any last words from any of you? I think we covered it. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Until next time, let the bird fly. Every evening when the sun goes down, get my party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a drink. I set them up another round. I set them up another round. I set them up another round. One more round won't get me down. I don't care what the people are thinking.